Welcome back again to the Level Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Seegers. Um, I'm sitting here just in awe of what the weather's been. I don't know how it's been everywhere else, but right here in Georgia where I'm from, it has been a little rainy. The rain's moved out. Uh, the sun started shining, and, the, and I don't know about y'all, but after the rain moves out and the sun starts uh, shining a little bit more, I get in a little bit better mood and um, get a little bit more energy about me, and I love this time of year it's probably my favorite time of year and we're coming up on easter and at the time of recording we're a few episodes ahead in our recording and so we got to thinking about it and if we had done better scheduling we could have had it to where these episodes come out uh, about the time for easter but we're going to be maybe the week after easter these episodes that we're going to air about salvation are going to come out and um, and and we talked about you know last week about how that um, really it all revolves around faith, and we talked about that. And then last week we talked about the ministry that was given to all, and kind of that was a start to it. So we're going to c- continue with that today in the next step of this, and and it's we're just going to touch on some things, and and hopefully it'll be a help to you. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. But uh, I'm excited today because what we're going to cover today is, and last week we covered reconciliation and talked about how that there was a middleman and talked about how that Jesus Christ died to be the propitiation for our sins and and all of those things. And I, as much as I love reconciliation and love the thought and, and what happened, how I got brought, I was separated and got brought back to to God the Father through Jesus Christ His Son. One of my favorite things, and I, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of people like to think that only one thing happened at the moment of salvation. At the moment of salvation, everybody wants to think that, oh, I was just saved from heaven, and now I'm going to hell. Or, or no, I said that totally wrong. Forgive me. I got saved from hell, and I'm going to heaven. And a lot of folks just want to maybe see that as the only thing that happened. And, and that is a good thing. But the word salvation and how we use it in the church and the word born again and the and when we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a whole lot deeper. There's so much happened. And, and we're actually um, here in a few weeks going to sit down and we're going to talk about a few of the things that, that happen at the moment of salvation. Um, and, and just like we talked last week about reconciliation, at the moment of salvation, we are reconciled back to the Father. This week, we're going to talk about my favorite one of maybe all the things that happened at the moment of salvation, and that that is justification. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to do like we always do, go ahead and, and get some of this stuff out of the way just in case we forget to at the end. It just gives me a peace of mind because sometimes... Just like last week, I get so excited and get so scattered, don't even know what to say, don't even know what to do. Um, so before I even get into the Word of God today, I do want to say uh, say this, that don't forget to go to Facebook and find us on Facebook at the Level Ground Podcast. Remember, we're going to do, if we can get the Facebook up to uh, 500 followers, right now we're at 200 right around 200. So if we get up to 500 followers on Facebook, I don't care where you're from. If you have Facebook, even if you don't know how, you know, send us an email. We'll, we'll tell you how. But go there, like the Facebook page. Then uh, we'll do that Q&A as soon as we get up to 500. And I, I think that'll be very enjoyable, very fun. 
at least for me, because I get to hear what you guys think, what you guys want to want to hear, and and whatnot. But then don't forget uh, the Instagram level ground dot twenty two. Um, then don't forget to send us an email. Reach out to us uh, if you if you have comments. If you enjoyed an episode, if um, if you want us to cover something, reach out to us. Let us know that way. Um, but the biggest thing that you can do to help us. And we've had many people, and I think I've said it before, we've had many people. How can we help you? What can we do for you? The biggest thing right now that you can do, number one is to pray. Number two is to go on wherever you listen, whether it is Spotify, whether it is Apple Podcast, whether it is um, the Podbean app, wherever you're at, go find us, follow us there, then leave us a review, a like, a comment, um, if it allows you to give a, a rating, give us a five-star rating. And, and what that does, we've said it a thousand times, we're going to say it again, that, that boosts the algorithm and in turn spreads it to more people. Spread it to more people, the gospel goes out to more places. And that's just something that that I cannot do. Even the guests that we're going to have come on, we just can't do it. This podcast will grow according to how many people interact with it. So that's just one of them things. But to help you and, and what we want to do to help you is if you need a copy of the Word of God, reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to get you a copy of God's Holy Word, free of charge, wherever you're at. Um, I don't care if you are in Russia, if you are in uh, Ukraine, if you are in Timbuktu, if you are in uh, Australia somewhere, wherever you're at, if you need a Bible, if you want a Bible, if you want a copy of the Word of God, reach out to us. And we'll, we'll try our best to get you a copy of God's Holy Word. Because we, we want you to have a copy. At the end of the day, we can say all we want to. We can try to teach on subjects, talk about subjects, all we want to. But at the end of the, end of the day, the Word of God will stand when this world's on fire. And it'll stand when nothing else will. Uh, the Bible says that, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God will stand forever. And, I, and I'm glad today that my words, even though they may be a help and, and they might, might help somebody, they might not, whatever. My words, what I say, they may be irrelevant and, and in the grand scheme of things probably are irrelevant altogether. But at the end of the day, the words of God and the words of Jesus Christ contain in the canon of Scripture that we have will stand forever, and there'll be more help for you come from that than what any preacher will tell you, what any teacher will tell you, or what any man will begin to say to you, because in the Word of God, you literally have answers for everything. Now, I understand and know that sometimes in the Bible, and we may, we may ramble for a minute, but that's okay. We got to talking, and we're, we're holding our Bible in our hands right now, and, and we got to talking to, to somebody the other day, and they just said the Bible had too many contradictions, and and then I, I tried to tell them, you know, look at the context, look and find the context of this thing, and, and maybe, you know, it'll help you. And they said back to me, who are you to decide the context? I don't decide the context, but as the reader, I have an obligation in order to correctly study the Bible and correctly, and as the Bible says, to rightly divide it, I have to compare Scripture with Scripture and then I also have to take it in context, figure out what that context is. I might have to look one chapter, two chapters, five chapters before where I'm reading at in that text at that moment might even have to look after to find the contact context and figure out where I'm at. But once you find the context when you're studying, 
it'll open up a whole new world for you in the Word of God, and then you'll really begin to figure out how everything, every question in life, there is an answer in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Now, that's not to say that all of the crazy questions that we have, the Bible actually does give 100% an answer for. There's just some things that are not covered, but it will tell you what to do even if we don't know those things. So so without rambling anymore, um, that's kind of where we wanted to get to today. But as we mentioned, we, we wanted to talk about justification and wanted to talk about the things in that and and really wanted to dive into this before we got into next week, which is what we're going to call the ministry given to all. And and we've prayed about it, and we feel like this is important that we understand and help. And this will help us to understand that our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're nothing. There is not one righteous, the Bible says, no, not one. The only one that was ever righteous, that walked the face of this earth in true true righteousness and, and in a true and a perfect way was Jesus Christ. And none of us will ever match up to Jesus Christ. And and then you look and, and you begin to see, you know, and even look at Moses and Abraham and, and all of these others and you look at their lives and, and even they had sin in their life. Um, you know, and, and you can look at these things and look how God has worked and God has moved in them and you can and you can pattern yourself. Even as great as people as they were, they still had sin. That lets me know we still have sin. And even though skin, uh, uh, sin is a scary word, sin is a real thing. And we mentioned it a few episodes ago, uh, about the third episode, I think it was, how that sin was just simply missing the mark. And and we've got to realize that 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 sometimes we're just going to miss the mark. We're going to mess up. I mean, it's not necessarily that we're out doing just completely heinous crimes, but we are doing wrong. And, and as far as a moral code, and I'll put it this way, say you had a, a every, every man, and, and this is what I believe, every man is given a moral code to some extent. I know there's some people evil, and they they choose not to abide by that moral code. But every man, whether they are a Christian or not, every human being does have a moral code and a moral standard they've set for themselves. Even an atheist will say that they've got a moral code that they they try to live by. Now, that's a conversation, a whole different ball of wax for another time. But you look at these things, and you begin to realize that even though we all have morals and we've got this moral code, that we've set for ourselves, we're born with, or our parents have talked to us. And for us Christians, most of these morals were taught out of the Word of God. But even if you're not a Christian or you haven't been a Christian long, your morals probably wouldn't talk to you by the Word of God, but they go along and coincide with the Word of God. And that being said, every one of us, with the morals that we have set and the morals that we have put in our in our life, in our day-to-day life, and what we try to walk with, what we try to uh, stand with and abide by, every one of us will not always keep those good morals. There'll be there'll be one time that we say something bad about somebody. There'll be a time that that we do something we, we just shouldn't do. We get in trouble in some way, shape, form, or fashion. We offend somebody. And you know, we just we can't help it, and we've said it time and time again that the flesh is enmity against God, and and it's going to go. Our, 
we by our nature are going to go against the good moral code if you'd have it that way and we just can't help it um but god has give us a remedy for that um even though we live in sin and we abide in sin we could try to live as good as we want to but we're still going to violate that moral code we've given ourselves, that moral standard we've given ourselves. And and that's really what sin and what the definition of sin boils down to is just violating a good moral standard, a good moral code. And, and the Bible does lay out what sin is, and it gives us directions and gives us guidance on how to get rid of it. But the ultimate way to get rid of it is through Jesus Christ. Now, before we get into maybe all the scripture and everything, I want us to, and like we always do, I want us to kind of take something tangible, something that we've seen in history in the world not too long ago and grab hold of it, and that way we can maybe get a better grasp because I know it helps me when I'm doing these things. And So justification, if you want to look at it before we go you know, too far into it, justification means remission of sin and absolution from guilt and punishment. So, and that's all we're going to read of that right now. So an absolution from guilt, that's a lot like a pardon. It's not just a lot like a pardon. That's what a pardon is, is, is justification um, in a way. Now, I, now the justification from God, a justification by faith, what we're talking about today, is not going to be necessarily the same as a presidential pardon. But I do want to talk about a pardon right quick. Because we've heard of it, how that the... Uh, how that they might have been a president that's given a presidential pardon or how that different people have gotten a pardon through the government in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And, and what it does is it it gets rid and it, abs- and it pulls us away from that guilt and what we had done wrong, we were forgiven of. But a pardon is the use of executive power that exempts the individual to whom it was given from punishment. The president's pardon power is based on Article 2 of the Constitution, which says he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. Now, a presidential pardon was known previously as the prerogative of mercy. It, was, it first appeared during the reign of King Ian of Wessex in the 7th century. The royal prerogative of mercy was originally used to permit the monarch to withdraw or provide alternatives to what? Death sentences. So I want us to hold on to that. In 1717, King George I's proclamation for suppressing of pirates. Now, I I will admit, ever since I was a kid, I've been a fan of pirates. I love pirates. So we're going to talk about pirates for a minute. And but anyways, so King George's proclamation for, for the suppressing of pirates was issued, promising a general pardon to those pirates who surrendered to the authorities, otherwise known as the 1717 to 1718 Acts of Grace. And this is what it said. We do hereby further declare that in case any person or persons on or after the sixth day of September, 1,718 shall discover or seize or cause or procure to be discovered or seized any one or more of the said pirates so neglecting or refusing to surrender themselves as aforesaid so as they may be brought to justice and convicted 
of the said offense, such person or persons, so making such discovery or seizure, or causing or procuring such discovery or seizure, to be made shall have <coughs> have and receive as a reward for the same, viz. For every commander of any pirate ship or vessel the sum of 100 pounds, for every lieutenant, master, botswain, Carpenter and gunner, the sum of 40 pounds. For every inferior officer, the sum of 30 pounds. And for every private man, the sum of 20 pounds. Now, here we find that King George has written this proclamation. I haven't read read to you the whole thing because, I mean, it's not irrelevant to what we're talking about at this moment, but I didn't want to bore y'all with the history. I just wanted you to see some things right quick. So King George had written this in 1717-1718, called the Acts of Grace. Now, he was discouraged not to do it. But what what he was given was an option. And from his generals and people in their military, they looked at him and said, well, hey, why don't we either combat them by force and scare them into pretty much uh, making things right and surrendering to us? And And they said, or you can do your idea. But they tried to push him away from that. And he said, no. He said, I'm going to grant them a pardon if they surrender. Because what had happened was pirates had gotten so bad and the crime and the villainy that had come from them had gotten so bad that places weren't even able to trade anymore and they weren't able to conduct business because they would be attacked by pirates on the sea as they were shipping and bringing goods from one place to another and the pirates would pillage and plunder and uh, gather all of these things. And... A lot of these these crimes were were completely heinous. I mean, just absolutely terrible. And you can you can look into it and you can read what they done and the different things they done. And it, it was awful. It was it was almost sickening. And what he done was what King George done was he said, "All right, if you come in by this day, then I will grant you a full pardon. You'll be forgiven of what was done to you." And we'll write it off your record. But he said, if you don't, I'll put a bounty on your head. And many of these pirates became wanted dead or alive because they didn't surrender to the pardon and didn't. Uh, they they were invited, and, and I'll put it this way: they were invited to a to receive the pardon, and if they rejected that invitation, they became guilty of their of their transgressions against the law and became guilty of their crimes. And then that's when the death sentence would take place in them, and the death sentence would happen uh, for them. You look at, I read something as I was trying to study this and about Blackbeard. And Blackbeard had a group of fellas that, you know, he was one of the most well-known. They, they went looking for treasure. They would pillage and plunder. They would do all these things. We all have heard the name Black Blackbeard, you know, and we understand all of these things, but they were in a place one time, and one of his crew members come up to him and told him, said, you know, I want to go get my pardon that would be granted to me and my king's pardon, and, and I want to be forgiven of my guilt. And and so Blackbeard sent him off, didn't think nothing against him, sent him off. Well, then Blackbeard and one of his fellow crew members left after they got through pillaging and plundering where they were at and left and went to receive their pardon. When they received their pardon, what they done was they turned around and began to continue to commit crimes one after the other of the different things that they were doing at the time and, and, and all of these things. 
And then it ended up leading to one of the crew members was executed. And then Blackbeard ended up running pretty much from the, the law, running, running from the officials at the time who were enforcing this law. And he ended up uh, being killed in Virginia by a group of officers there. And so he spent the rest of his life running from these crimes that he was committing. And I want us to understand something. In order for a pardon to be given to us and a pardon to be granted, they would have to be a crime committed first. If I had committed a crime and I was granted a pardon, well, that meant that I was having to commit a crime to begin with. And that being said, we've talked about sin, talked about sin, talked about sin. And I want us to really nail this down so that we grab the, grab hold of this. We are sinners, every one of us. Because of what Adam and Eve done in the garden, it corrupted this flesh. And since then, we have been in that state. There is nothing that has pulled us out because of the world and the curse that is upon the world and the curse that is upon mankind. We can't help it. We can't change it. We're there. We're stuck in sin. And God's seen that. And what we've done is we have committed the flesh is an enemy of God's. It's enmity against God, like we've already said. That being said, we've committed a crime against God. And and you look, and the law was given. And, he, and even us, you look at the Ten Commandments. Even all of us have not kept the Ten Commandments. If you just take the Ten Commandments alone and set that as our standard for sin or our standard for our good morals, or however you want to say it, every one of us has went against the Ten Commandments at some point in time, which means that we are guilty. Which comes into what we read last week, and, and we talked about the depravity of man and how man was separated from God because of that. And depravity, if you look it up and you begin to look at the the definition of depravity, it says, a vitiated state of the heart, wickedness, wickedness, corruption of moral principles, destitution of holiness or good principles. So pretty much depravity is a separation from good morals and a separation from doing good. Now, I know what some of you are going to say. Well, I have good morals most of the time. I have good principles most of the time. I try to, you know, live good as best I can most of the time. But there's still that one time you've not done right. And you've still been found guilty. And because of that, just that one time, say you lived your whole life and you only did one thing wrong and you told a little white lie one time, and that was it. That is enough to separate you from God and to make you depraved and separated from His holiness. Just that one thing. And there's nothing you can do to change it. I mean, and, and and that's really, a lot of people want to say, well, I don't believe in sin. I don't believe in original sin. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. I will tell you this right now. It don't matter what you believe, what you don't. None of us are going to live a perfect life, and none of us are going to be perfect. And if you believe in God, and you know this, even if you don't, I'm trying, I'm just, I want to lay this groundwork first. Even if you don't believe in God, I want you to hear this and hear this good. You're still depraved from him. You're depraved, but and and that's the state that we are in. And I've said it a thousand times, but I want to drive it home. 
We can't help it. You can't change it. But because we were depraved from God, God seen that. And we, in the state state that we're in right now, and in the place that we're in right now, if we continue in the shape that we are in without a change being made, we'd be a lot like those pirates we mentioned. We'd be heading for a death sentence, and we are headed for a death sentence. And the king saw that, the king of kings saw that, and he seen us in the shape that we were in and in the crime we were in, in the sin we were in, in our depraved state. He saw that, and through his grace, just like how King George had the acts of grace in 1717 and 1718, God has had an act of grace toward us and has given us a chance to escape the death sentence and to grant us a full pardon. Now, what is grace? Grace literally means favor, mercy, pardon. And God saw us and he has offered us grace. And it's our choice to get put into that grace. And to be in that grace. Now you look, and we've talked about justification. I want to go ahead and tell you and get in kind of deeper of what justification is. Justification is the remission of sin and absolution from guilt and punishment. So we've already read that. Or an act of free grace by which God pardons the sinner and accepts him as righteous on account of of the atonement of Christ. So before we get into the scripture, I want to say this. Just like King George, and I I hope you've held on this long to get to this point, just like King George offered grace unto those people so that they didn't have a death penalty, what he was trying to do was rid the world of crime, rid the world of sin, or or, or, or rid the, the world or the area at the time of the crime from the pirates. What he was doing was trying to rid them of that, And he offered them grace. Grace out from under the law. So that they could escape that death penalty. That was pretty much inevitable. They had committed so many crimes, that was pretty much the only thing they would get. That being said, if they accepted the offer from the king, they were granted a full pardon and could continue on with life and they would be treated no different by the king. And the king would not treat them like a criminal anymore, wouldn't treat them like a pirate anymore. He'd treat them like everybody else, and he even said that himself. And the king of kings, the God of creation, just like how we've read to you about this uh, this. Uh, act of the suppression of pirates, just like we've talked about these acts of grace that King George had. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has looked at us in the state that we were in, has seen us in our sin. And the Bible said that sin bringeth forth death. Death. We have a death penalty headed for us. We have talked about hell. We have talked about how terrible hell is. And whether you believe in it or whether you don't, that is a real place. And we can get back into it another time if if we need to. But hell is a real place, and real people go there. And sin sends them there. 
And what God's done was he has he's seen that. He knew that. He knew that each one of us, because of sin, that's where we would go, and that would be the, the place that we would have to go. What he's done is offered us a chance to be pardoned from those sins, to have justification take place in our heart and in our soul through the atonement paid that we talked about last week, through the atonement made by his son, the payment made by his son, and what he's done is he has offered us that if we come to him and we look at him and we ask him that we might receive our pardon, he will justify us in that moment and we can escape that awful place called hell. And it's been offered not just to a certain few, but to all mankind. And I want, I, I want to say it like this. I, I don't know if you're a Christian or if you're not. I don't, I mean, and that's the thing about podcast land. You, you don't understand who's listening all the time. You don't know who's listening all the time. The only way I know that somebody's listening as far as what they think about it, how they believe, is if I know them and they, they say, well, hey, I've listened to the podcast. So you may be sitting in the place that you're in. And you may be thinking, well, there is no hell. You might be thinking, well, if God is love, then he wouldn't send us to hell. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that exact same excuse. Well, if God loves us, he wouldn't send us to hell, so I don't believe that there's a hell. Because God is love. That is right. God is love. And what God has done is through his son, Jesus Christ, has offered us an invitation. If I was to invite you to a party... I was going to have a party at my house. I sent you an invitation. Here you go. It would probably say somewhere on there, RSVP. And what you would do is you would contact me and tell me, hey, me and my family's coming to the party. Or I myself am coming to the party. And then I would put you down on the list. I knew you were coming. And good, we had room for you. you room for you. We had food for you. And we had everything that we needed so that you could be at the party. But if I sent you an invitation and you didn't want to go to the party, and so you never RSVP'd or you told me, hey, well, I'm, I just don't want to come to the party. Well, that's okay. Now, it might sadden me because I thought enough of you to invite you. And it, might, and it probably would sadden my heart. But at the end of the day, are you going to be mad at me because I invited you to the party and you did not accept my invitation? That's what God done, and that's what justification is. It's you receiving and RSVPing for, and I'll say it this way, you've RSVPed for a party called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And it's coming one of these days, and you'll be there, but you've got to accept the invitation. If you do not accept the invitation that God has offered you, through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the invitation. And that is where the pardon lies. And if you reject that, and you say, no, I don't want to have nothing to do with God. I don't want to have nothing to do with Jesus. I don't want to, I don't, you know, uh, I don't believe in hell. Don't believe in heaven, this, that, and other, whatever. If that's truly how you believe, and that's how you think, and you reject that invitation God has offered you, number one, you can't be mad at God. But number two, you're not going to be able to get to the party any other way. And, and we can look at some scripture one day 
and back that up. But before we got into the scripture, we wanted to say that how you've been offered an invitation, you've been offered a pardon, you just have to receive it. Once you receive it, this is what the Bible talks about. And this is, I'm telling you, this absolutely excites my soul to know what happened to me. And I want, I want to say this, and we may run rabbits. I'm telling you, salvation absolutely gets me so beside myself when I think about the work that God had wrought in my heart. But I want us to think about this, and I want us to realize this. At the moment of salvation, when God done this to you, He changed you, gave you an inward cleansing, and all of these things happened And you were forgiven of your sin. And your sin was washed away. And honestly, I, I want us to really just... I want to take it slow. I want us, I, I really want us to absorb all the good things that are in this the best way that we can. And it ought to excite you that even though as wretched as you were and as sinful as you were, there's not one of us that's worthy. I'll go ahead and say that. There's not one of us that's worthy of salvation. And so many times you hear folks and, and they'll testify, and, and they're right when they say it. I've said it. I say it all the time, and I will say it right now. I am not worthy of the salvation that was given to me. There's none of us that are worthy of the salvation that was given to us by Jesus through Jesus Christ by God. Not a single one of us. But God loved us enough and he had grace toward us enough that he offered a way of escape from the certain death that we were facing. So it's all right to get excited. It's all right to let the things of God and to let the salvation that happened, let what happened inside of you, the great miracle that God wrought in your heart, it's all right to get excited about it and to let joy overflow in your soul. I think a lot of times, and I will even say this, the Bible says that we're sealed to the day of redemption. So we know that we're always going to be saved. We're always going to be right in the palm of God's hand. But not every day do we always feel saved. There's some mornings I wake up and I don't feel just fresh and new and cleansed and cleaned and and like I did when I first got saved or even like I do some days. There's some days that it's all I can do to take one step after another. But even on my worst days, and I, I say it time and time again, even on my worst days, I can praise God. I can be excited and I can be happy even if I am down and out that day. If I sit down and I begin to think how that even on my worst days, I've been granted a full pardon. I've escaped the certain death that was awaiting me. I can praise God for it. And I want you right now, wherever you're at and in whatever place that you are, just think about it. If you've got to pause the episode, pause the episode. Think about what God done in you. There ought to be an excitement in your soul. There ought to be an excitement in yourself knowing God has delivered me 
from that and has granted me something I didn't deserve. As we talked about them pirates earlier, they were not a single one of those pirates that deserved that pardon. Not a single one of them. But if they accepted it and were granted that pardon, things were changed for them. And that's the same way with us. Not a single one of us has deserved salvation, but it was offered unto us. All you've got to do is claim it. Now let's look in Romans chapter number 3, verses 21 through 26. It says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So here we have a few things that we want to talk about before we continue on. The righteousness of God God, without the law, so, so we're no longer under the law, is manifested. Now it's being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And we can have that righteousness of God imputed into us and put into us, but it's from Jesus Christ. Does that make us righteous in the flesh? No, but there is something righteous that is placed on the inside of you. All right, and then the Bible goes on to say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's proof There's our proof text. We're all depraved. We're all separated from God. We know that we've come short. We've missed the mark. We the time has run out before we could reach the finish line, um, type of thing. I mean, there's nothing we can do to change it. But then, after it says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." It says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And we could a preacher could get behind the pulpit and he could stand up and he could preach off of what we just read you right there for hours. We've been justified freely. It didn't cost us anything. And because we come to His Son, Jesus Christ, the grace of God was given to us. And we were redeemed. We were pulled out of that sin that we were living in. That does not mean that we will never sin again, that we'll never do wrong again. But the place that we were in, the depraved state that we were in, we were pulled out of. Just like we talked last week, how we were reconciled back to the Father, we were pulled out and redeemed out of that place and brought out of it and placed and reconciled back to the Father through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I am the way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but what? But by me. Without God, without Jesus, there is no way into heaven. There is no way to escape certain death. The Bible goes on to say, whom God hath set forth to be, we talked about it last week, a propitiation through faith 
in his blood. If you don't have faith, just like we talked about a few weeks, even a few weeks before all of this about being a bona fide Christian, the first step in becoming a bona fide Christian is having faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and in the sacrifice of Christ Jesus who died for our sins that we could be granted a pardon. To declare righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So not only does that make us justified, and justification is taking place in our heart. But it also makes God just. And it makes him the justifier of everyone that believes on his son. Everybody that accepts the invitation to the party, he's become the justifier of. He's been the one that delivered us. Without God, there would have never been Jesus Christ. There would have never been what happened. What ta- without God orchestrating this thing, in the beginning of time, without God orchestrating what happened for us, it would have never taken place. And the magnificence of God absolutely boggles my mind sometimes. It absolutely, I mean, it just, I could sit here and talk about it all day long, but it, it absolutely blows my mind what God has done for us and how God cared for us and how God sought to help us. And now we're going to get into really the scripture that I wanted to really hone in on. And we may not break it down today. We may not, we may just read it and then, and then say that's enough for today. But Romans chapter 5. And we're going to start with the first verse. We're going to read the whole chapter. And we're going to read it slow. I, I had, I've heard people say all the time, if you read the Bible slow, you understand it better. First verse of Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, number one, if we're placed in Christ Jesus, we've been reconciled back to the Father, and then we've, justification has taken place, and we've been forgiven of our sins and granted a pardon. What does that mean? I mean, you might be asking that. This right here is what it means. We have peace with God. We were an enemy of God's at the time. But God granted us a pardon, and if we accept His Son, Jesus Christ, that full pardon is granted to us. And what was a separation between us, what was strife between us and God, what was a separation there has now brought us together, made us one, and it has brought peace. In a world full of wars, in a world full of fighting, in a world full of folks going back and forth, whether it's government problems, whatever it is, 
People have looked for peace high and low, left, right, up, and down. When ultimately, if you're looking for peace, I don't know that I, I, they'll never be peace on this earth until the Lord comes back and gets his children. But the, but the way we can achieve peace and we can have peace, true peace, and experience true peace is if we accept Jesus Christ and become justified by faith. Verse number two says, by whom also, this is talking about Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame because of what the love of God has shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. I, I'm glad I, can, I, can, I have a Bible where I can sit down and I can see that the, the workings of the Trinity in the Scripture. And then begin to think how the, the workings of the Trinity took place in my life. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost of God. Those three working together, done a work in my heart and in my life. For when we were yet without strength, so there was a time where we had no strength, there was nothing we could do to change things. There was no way we could fight this. There was no way we could combat this. The Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, when the time was right, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for me. He died for you. He died for everybody in the whole world that they might be saved. They might be reconciled back to the Father. And they might be justified by faith. And Christ didn't die for the ones that had God. He didn't die for, and say at the time, there had been people that were placed in God, that had a relationship with God like what we have. Say at that time, that's what had to been. Christ wouldn't have died for them. He died for the ones that didn't have God. He died for the ones that didn't have peace. He died for the ones that was still facing a death sentence. And Christ took on our sin and became sin for us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were without God, we were taken away from God. We were separated by God. And the love that he had toward us. He gave us his son, even though we were sinners, even though we were separated from him. He gave us his son and his, and his only begotten son, and he died for our sin. Verse number nine says, much more than being, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We've been granted a full pardon. We can escape that death penalty, the wrath of God. 
through Jesus Christ. God's not sending nobody to hell. You've got an option. You can choose. You can pick. If you don't pick Jesus Christ, if you don't pick uh, going with Him and accepting Him as your own personal Savior, you've chose hell over heaven. Verse number 10, For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death passed by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Here is where we find, here's where we figure out. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. One man sinned, it entered into the world, and because of it, death has passed upon everybody. The Bible says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. So there was no real, at this time, they, I'll say it this way, at, at this time there was no real definition on what sin was. From Adam to Moses, there was no definition exactly to what sin was. So that means you still had to live with good morals. That also verifies the fact that we are born with good morals. And you had to live the best that you could and do what you could for God. And do what God told you to do. And then when the law was given... That set the standard for what sin was at that time. And Jesus Christ didn't come to condemn the law. Because what God had done was he took the law and the law was good in the Lord's eyes. But Jesus Christ could do something the law could never do. And he didn't come to condemn that law, but he came to fulfill it. But you look back at Adam to Moses. The Bible says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Because of one man's sin, everybody was made unrighteous. Because of one man's sin, everybody will die. And it was a picture of what would take place when Jesus Christ came. Just as in Adam, he sinned once, we all became sinners in Jesus Christ, and we may get to this here in, here in a minute. In Jesus Christ, he died once, became the sacrifice once, so that we all might be made righteous and might all be justified by faith and reconciled back to God the Father. But not as the, the Bible says in verse number 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. It don't cost you a dime. The price was already paid. We owed a debt. We, we were fined. And because of Jesus Christ and what he done, the debt was paid. 
For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the disobedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life, by Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to go ahead and start closing this out right here. And we want to say this, kind of in closing this episode out today. Sin's bringing forth death and was had brought forth death to every one of us. Couldn't escape it, couldn't change it. And because of one man, but also because of another man, the Holy Son of God, righteousness came through him by the grace of God. And we were allowed a chance to be justified and receive a full pardon, to be granted a full pardon and a way out of our sin. And that ought to excite you that God loved you enough to offer you and extend you an invitation that you wouldn't have to go to that awful place called hell. You just had to choose him and choose his son. And I'll even say this, and this is going to make some church folk absolutely turn a flip. If you've never been saved and you're not a Christian, you don't believe in God, all these things, you don't like church, you don't like the organization of it, whatever it may be, I've heard heard every excuse in the book. All I care about for you is that you're saved. Then after you're saved, if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about going to church. But all I want for you right now in this moment is to realize that you have a way to escape that awful place called hell. And for the saved people out there, I want you to remember what God done for you and hopefully bring a new light to what God has done for you. How that you were offered, even in your terrible state, you were offered a pardon, a full pardon for those sins. These are just, in the last two weeks, we've just covered two things that happened at the moment of salvation. Just two. And there's so much more. So, that being said, we're going to go ahead and land the plane right here and we're going to, head, going to go ahead and maybe start closing this episode out. We hope today that you were strengthened. We hope today that you were encouraged. 
knowing that you were justified by faith in Jesus Christ. We uh, don't forget to go and like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, send us an email at levelgroundpod22 at gmail.com. If you need a Bible, we want to send you a copy of the Word of God. But until next time, stay grounded, my friends.